0: Quarterly Report. This is your host, Armand Lee. Here, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you so much for rocking with me for a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report podcast. Of course, I am your host, Armand Lee, here with you for another hour to an hour and a half. Thank you for rocking with me for this week. We've got an amazing show. I was gone last week, had some family issues I had to take care of, but everybody straight no need to worry and i'm back better than ever with my guy chris miller my big bro he's going to be stopping by this week and we're going to talk about a wide variety of things including how disappointed should american basketball fans be after team usa's disappointing seventh place finish in the FIBA world cup also somebody got a hug a bears fan they're only one and one but when you look around to the left and you see Patrick Mahomes, and then you look to the right and you see Deshaun Watson, and then you stare yourself in the mirror and looking back at you with sorry-ass Mitch Trubisky, yeah, go ahead and hug a Bears fan. We're going to break down that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week.
1: First quarter.
0: Oh, yeah, baby. Let's move it out. Taking it back to high school, end of the 90s. Shout out to Carson Daly and TRL. Closing, Closing time. time. One last call for alcohol. Hawks. Finish your whiskey over. Listen to the words, so y'all. Listen to the words and I'm sure y'all ask myself what the hell is on my mind? Closing right now?
1: time.
0: You don't have to go home, but you can't stay. Here. But nah, feel me. We're only two weeks through the NFL season. And I can start pointing them out. (laughs) It's time for some of y'all bambas to get the hell up out of here. And I'm not talking about teams. I'm not talking about fan bases. I'm not even really talking about players right now. Man, we gonna get to some players in the next quarter. I'm talking about coaches. Two weeks in. Bro, I hope you didn't purchase a home. And some of these guys did buy a home. They've got roots. But damn it, it's time to be uprooted. Mike Tomlin, I'm starting with you, Slim. <laughs> Mike Tomlin, I've rocked with you from the jump. Liked everything about you. Liked the whole swag, like the flavor. I think you may even be a Virginia boy. The whole thing. I like all of it. When you came in, won the Super Bowl really early, went to another Super Bowl, and I just... I just rocked with it, man. It seemed like he had a good grasp on everything, and I was proud. You feel me? In the NFL, there are not that many black head coaches. I think we all understand that. It's something that we all know. The thing about Mike Tomlin that I really like is, number one, when you think of all of the young, like, the young wonderkin, like, head coaches, Sean McVay is like the flavor of the month now. But Mike Tomlin was that 12 years ago however many years it's been since he's been in Pittsburgh. Like, he was the the new young flavor guy. Like, yo, look at Mike Tomlin. And then, not only was he just young and new, but he was successful. Took over from Bill Cowher, and you don't even think about Bill Cowher anymore. And uh, we were proud of Mike Tomlin. You feel me? Proud that, you know what? He was given a leadership opportunity Here's another thing, and it, it's something that doesn't get talked about enough, and at least in my opinion. As black head coaches, you have to be like a, a, a defensive superstar. Like, you don't ever see a black offensive coordinator get a head coaching job. Like, I don't even know. Jim Caldwell was like the last guy that I can recall in that position, and he got a out of two jobs. People forget, he went to the Super Bowl in Indy. Peyton Manning gets hurt. He was out of there. <laughs> then he goes to Detroit. Detroit. Detroit hasn't been in the playoffs since he's left. He took Detroit to the playoffs. I think they went twice. Matt Stafford actually looked like, you know, I always use Matt Stafford. And I'm not hating on him. I'm not even trying to pick on him if you're a Lions fan. But he's like the barometer. Like, if you are worse than Matt Stafford, Cool because you're going to always look to get another quarterback. If you're better than Matt Stafford, you probably have a quarterback that you can build around. But if you're in that Matthew Stafford range, the Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, that range, yeah, you don't have anything because you're, you've got a guy who's good enough that you can squint hard enough, and he puts up numbers, particularly in this past happy era, right? You could get 4,000. 4,000 yards now is nothing. You understand what I'm saying? So Matt Stafford will put up very pretty numbers. Kirk Cousins. We talked about him. Kirk Cousins will put you up pretty numbers. And then you realize, oh, damn, he's not really that good. So I'm not going to pay a guy. I'm not going to pay. I'm not going to treat Wednesday like it's Saturday night. You feel me? I'm not going to spend a Mercedes-Benz money, BMW money on a Hyundai. You just don't do it. And Hyundai's make good cars. I'm not knocking them, but keep it funky. Matthew Stafford is a Hyundai. And the dumbass Detroit Lions spent Lamborghini Monday, or Lamborghini Monday, Monday, Lamborghini money. Goodness, what's wrong with me? They spent Lamborghini money on a Hyundai Sonata. Sonatas are good cars. You're not spending but some however many thousands of dollars on it, right? So the Detroit Lions clearly have no idea what they're doing. And Jim Caldwell, who had success at every stop that he's been in, the two stops he's been in, he's not in the league. He can't even get interviews anymore. He's in the XFL with Vince McMahon. I say that to say Mike Tomlin broke the mold. Because outside of Jim Caldwell, Mike Tomlin is the only head coach that I can remember who wasn't like a defensive coordinator. I I believe Mike Tomlin was a special teams coach. And he got an interview as being like one of the best special teams guys. And, you know, I, I appreciate that because when one of the best head coaches in the league, in my opinion, Jim Harbaugh, also special teams guy. So I like the guys who aren't necessarily specialists, but they have to do, they have to have some type of, versatility, right? If you get a head coaching job because you're a special teams coach, that means you understand so much and you have a certain uh grasp, a certain command over leadership and understanding. I don't know necessarily in 2019 what grasp Mike Tomlin has anymore. And I'm not hating, I promise you. I like Mike Tomlin, but let's call let me let's keep it funky, okay? Mike isn't really He's not among the best when it comes to time management. Like, we can agree with that. He clearly, I mean, the the discipline over that locker room has long gone. I mean, we just just look over the last two years. That ship has long since sailed. And I don't even know, even with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell gone, if there's a certain level of discipline, discipline now in the Steelers locker room. Because guess what? Big Ben, uh, let's not act like he's like, you know, (laughs) let's not act like he's on some Tom Brady stuff. His ass is nuts, too. And the Steelers, as an organization, and if you believe the reports as a coaching staff, particularly Mike Tomlin, they have went all in and aligned themselves behind Big Ben. And now Ben Roethlisberger may very well need Tommy John surgery. At least we know there's an elbow issue. He's already old. He's not in the physical form. You can tell. There's no TB12 diet in Big Ben's house. I promise you that. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And there has never been kind of, okay, what's the next plan? Like, what do we do? What's the contingency plan when Roethlisberger bodies, when his body falls apart, right? The Patriots, they had one. They let Jimmy Garoppolo go because Tom Brady, is you know basically has the fountain of youth in his water cooler you've seen you see what's going on in new orleans they try to make the teddy bridge water thing work doesn't look like that has happening sean payton though has kept Taysom hill and i guess we're going to see a lot of Taysom hill in the next few weeks that's my guess but the point is the steelers there is no contingency plan in pittsburgh and now that they missed the playoffs last year and they're owing to now with Ben Roethlisberger seemingly out for at least a few weeks, with we no Le'Veon Bell, with no Antonio Brown, who do you think that guillotine is coming over? Who do you think's head is going to roll next? Mike? Closing time. You're going to have to get your black ass out of Pittsburgh soon. Dog, is over. I rock with you. I like you. I like kind of how you would get up on the podium and say your your, your your real tough and real intense comments that made no damn sense, but it was cool, right? Like, yo, I don't know what the hell he just said, but I'm rocking. And you won, and you didn't conform to like, how did you you ain't do none of that dumbass Brian Flores stuff. Play, You know what I'm saying? You didn't have to do any of that. And I appreciate it, because it always felt authentic with Mike Tomlin. It was like, okay, this is who this guy is, take it or leave it. And I appreciate that. But you've been in Pittsburgh for a long time now, bro. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you need to change. Unfortunately for you, it's not really a matter of your opinion if you want to change because time is coming up, bro. The lights are coming on, right? They they killed the beer. The kitchen is closed. Last call. And, brother, if... I hope that, I think that Mike Tomlin will be able to get another job. I don't know if he would want one, but he'll definitely be able to get one. He's been in the league for so long and he's still young, right? He's had success, he has a Super Bowl ring. But uh, it's almost time to cancel Christmas in Pittsburgh. But I don't want to spend that much time. And I actually, I feel of nasty that I'm going to link these two guys, these two gentlemen in. Because Where Mike Tomlin has had a long run. He's had ultimate success. Been to two Super Bowls, won one. has been to other AFC championship. I mean, you know, just has had an amazing run at Pittsburgh. He ain't the only coach who needs to be hearing this song. And I'm going to go near and dear to my home. Not my heart, because I don't like the team. But right down the street from my home. The Burgundy and Gold. Oh, my goodness. Jay Gruden? I don't even know how you still have a job, bro. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Actually, yes, I do. But this is the nuts thing, right? Mike Tomlin's put in over a decade has been successful. And the national, the national, I can't speak to locally. I don't know what the local Steelers fans believe, right? But nationally, People have been taking shots at Mike Tomlin for years now, and again, some of it is deserved. He does not best with clock management. There's obviously been a lack of respect and discipline in that locker room. But also, give that man his flowers, right? Mike Tomlin was one of the first head coaches who would regularly go for two. And people, I remember when he first started doing it, and people were like, "Yo, why were you going for two? Kick the take the points." And now we're in an era where people are going for fourth down all the time. Tomlin used to do that as well. Going for two just randomly, something that Tomlin embraced early. So give that man his flowers as well. In terms of Jay Gruden, somebody's going to have to let me know. <laughs> somebody's going to have to let me know. I don't know what. Look, he's a hell of a guy by all accounts. I know people who have interviewed him. Everybody swears by Jay Gruden. Oh, Jay's a cool guy. I'd love to have a beer with him. Bro. Can we come up with a, a, a better reasoning behind anything other than somebody I like to grab a beer with? We use that with presidential, you know, candidates. Oh, I love to grab a beer with them. Nah. I don't want to drink with the dude who has the entire world at his fingertips. Nope. Pass on that. You need to be busy. You too smart to be just drinking beer with drinking beer. Slim. <laughs> Let me get out of my face. I don't want my head coach to drink beer. Do you want to drink beer with Bill Belichick? Hell nah. Do you want to drink beer with Andy Reid? Nah. I don't want to drink beer with, you know what? I don't want to drink beer with Pete Carroll. Because I don't know, his ass, he probably got him. (laughs) Yo, I don't even know what is in his beer, right? But he seems like the only head coach. I like John Harbaugh. I don't want to have a, I don't want to drink with John Harbaugh. I don't want to drink with any of these Bama's. That should not be anywhere on your list of reasons as to why you like a head coach. But that's all I hear in regards to Jay And Oh, my God. If you make the mistake to listen to DC Sports Radio, Kevin Sheehan. And this is no disrespect. Y'all know the rules on the show. If I name you, that means there's no ill will. Right? The people who I don't name are the people I don't have respect for. So let me start naming these bombers, Joe. Kevin Sheehan. And Grant Paulson swear by Jake Gruden. It's like it doesn't matter how many times you have to see this man fail. It does not matter how many times you have to see his teams get penalized. Ad nauseum. Where's the discipline there? I swear everybody. Maybe Jay Gruden is an amazing offensive mind. He could be. He schemes things open. But in this offensive error, it's not like Washington is scoring a lot of points. I'm listening to the radio Monday morning after Washington falls to 0-2. And you would have thought that you would have thought they scored 41 points or something. They scored 21 points. And they're like, hey, the offense isn't the problem. Score some points. <laughs> if Buffalo can score 24, 27, why can't you score 21? And I know. I get it. I've heard the excuses, oh man, you know, watching this, dealt with, they've dealt with so many injuries. Shout out to my bro, Jason Perkins, he, he meant that, or he said that to me a few weeks ago, because I was going on, uh, Jay Gronon online on Twitter, and he was like, hey man, outside of Belichick, I don't know anybody who would be able to succeed with the massive amounts of injuries that this team has had over the last two seasons, and I was like, yo, that's fair, Jay Gronon's been here for like, what, six years? They went to the playoffs, the one the division as a nine and seven, and then they were like, what, eight, seven, and one. The, those are the highlights. You understand what I'm saying? And yes, the injuries absolutely matter. But at some point, we do have to start looking at the players who are injured, right? If you keep going to bat with Jordan Reed, you know Jordan Reed is injury prone. I'm sorry. I'm not, by, like, you don't get that much bail. Chris Thompson. When Chris Thompson is healthy, we know how dynamic he is. But anytime you have to say when such and such player is healthy, is that if that's the way you start a sentence, guess what? That player is not healthy that much. So, yeah, you, have, you go to bat on injury-prone with injury-prone players, you're going to get injury-prone players. Like, that's kind of the, that's how the math works. Jonathan Allen, he slipped in the draft precisely because of injury concerns. He's hurt already. Just go down the list. Mo- Morgan Moses, God bless him. Every year, every single year, he's fighting through like two injuries to his knees and his feet and his ankles. And he keeps playing through them. So, I mean, do you do you think he's going to get healthy as he plays through multiple injuries to his feet as a 300-and-some-odd-pound man? Of course not. Yo! You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know how much power Jay has anymore in the organization, but he came into it with a lot of power. Right? He still don't know how to pick a defensive coordinator. All of these things can be attributed to the head coach. Yes, you've had a bad hand in terms of injuries, but what have you done What have you done to be like, you know what? Let's fight through it. I don't think Jay Gruden is a good head coach at all. And I'm amazed at the amount of bail that he continues to get. I can't see Jay staying in D.C., but you know what? The way I can't, I can't lie. I've been wrong before, particularly in the NFL. I have no idea what's going on, but think about how nuts this is, right? Mike Tomlin And Jay Gruden find themselves probably in the last year at their respected job. Mike Tomlin is far more accomplished, in my opinion, qualified. Again, he has results. Jay Gruden is a comedy of errors. And a lot of that has to do with the organization. I can't fault him for that. You know, he came to a town that is just synonymous or a team and organization that's synonymous with just disaster, right? So he should not take the the entire brunt of blame criticism that goes along with his record. But he got to take his fair share. But here's the crazy thing. I don't know. I would not be willing to bet money that Mike Tomlin gets another head coaching job before Jay Gruden. That's how nuts everything is. Because you know what the built-in excuse will be for Jay. Hey, man, I was in D.C. What else am I supposed to do? For Tomlin, what is he going to say? Oh, man, you know, I had Big Ben. Okay. I mean, you know, that Antonio Brown stuff was nuts. Okay. No one's trying to hear that. I think we all would agree Mike Tomlin is a better head coach than Jay Gruden. But I, if we're being honest, right, true serum, gun to our head, had to make a choice, how confident are you that Tomlin gets another head coaching job before Jay Gruden? Because I'm not at all. Hell, look at Jay's brother. I'm interested in hearing your guys' take. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading Mike Tomlin or Jay Gruden completely wrong. Maybe you think Tomlin stays in Pittsburgh. Hit me up. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at Quarterly Show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Or email me at QuarterlyReport at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Who should get a head coaching job first? Or should both guys, maybe only one, keep their jobs in their respective cities? Let me know. Get involved and interact with your boy on the quarterly report all right guys we want to stay on the gridiron for our second topic this week. second quarter. you know i really try to keep things fresh on this show i try not to repeat myself too much i try to come up with new different topics different things that you you wouldn't hear on a day-to-day sports uh talk show sports talk variety shows that dominate the airwaves and radio waves i try to keep things fresh but damn it when, when I feel like I hit my, my pocket, when I'm in my sweet spot, y'all going to have to allow myself to flex or some Lex Luger shit. Just give me this one quarter. You feel me? If if I, you know what? I should label this Lex Luger flex. You understand how my pecs bouncing? You know what I'm saying? If you have a certain age, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you don't, know, I'm not talking about Lex Luthor, Superman's enemy. But you know what? I, I don't even want to waste any time on that. I'm talking about flexing in regards of I kinda had this one, bro. I really did. And I'm not saying that this is just some unique take that I had. A lot of people have had some variants of this opinion. But I just every time I see a new NFL contract, a new quarterback contract signed, I just think to myself, man, when will they learn? When will they learn? For years, for years, it has been propped up. The NFL is all about having quarterbacks. You got to have a quarterback to win. And not only do you have to have a quarterback to win, you have to have an elite quarterback to win. And then the Giants ended the Patriots' um, undefeated quest. I don't even remember what, what, like, how long ago was that now? What, 08? And then everybody tried to make Eli Manning into an elite quarterback because he won, because that fit the narrative. And to be fair, there was a string of elite quarterbacks winning Super Bowls, right? It was uh, Brady, and then it was Peyton, and it was Breeze, and Rodgers, and Roethlisberger. So all these top-notch quarterbacks were winning Super Bowls. And then Eli's old goofy-looking ass comes up out the way, and he wins one. So then... We were like, hey, Eli's got to be, he's got to be elite, right? We're going to, we're going to shout out to Slim Charles, baby. We're going to stand on that line, And we all drank that joint. Jim Jones drinking it, coming back for seconds. And then Joe Flacco wins the Super Bowl. I'm sorry, Eli wins another Super Bowl. And then Joe Flacco wins the Super Bowl. And that's when I was like, okay, y'all. Yo, how long are we going to keep doing this? And then Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson wins the Super Bowl, but y'all didn't want to act like he was elite. Russell Wilson had to show like over the last two, three seasons, like, oh, yeah, he actually is elite. But when he won his Super Bowl, no. Y'all weren't acting like Russ was elite then. And then Nick Foles wins. And, you know, and now you would think at, at some point people would back off that kind of narrative, like, yo, There are more than one way to skin. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Having an elite quarterback does help you out. Yes, you can't mistake it. If I, if if I, when we talk about elite dog, if I have Tom Brady, if I have Aaron Rodgers, if I have Pat Mahomes, I have such a, a, a large advantage in terms of building a winning organization a winning franchise particularly if you're like the chiefs and you have a pat mahomes talent but on a rookie scale contract but we gotta be honest they're not that many pat patrick mahomes they're just not and you turn around and you look and teams keep reaching the minnesota vikings reach with Kirk cousins boy don't you wish they would have made that decision again Don't you think every Vikings fan is having buyer's remorse? Hell, half the Vikings fans fans that I know knew off rip they didn't want Kirk Cousins. They knew what time it was, let alone to be the highest highest paid player in terms of base salary in the league. They stuck with Kirk for another year. Another year. Shout out to Kirk, too. Because, look, it gets fun. People like to, to bash him. I don't really, you know. And and, and I, I don't joy, I don't have joy, take I don't take joy in Kirk Cousins struggling. I do take joy, though, in the D.C. pundits who swore up and down Kirk Cousins was an elite quarterback. I kid you not. There were guys five years ago saying that they would rather have Kirk Cousins than Russell Wilson. I kid you not. In D.C., oh, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback, and I talked about this last year. Let's say he was a top 10 quarterback. It doesn't matter. It's like somebody saying you're a top 10 shooting guard. There are only four or five good shooting guards in the league. So if there's seven really good quarterbacks in the league four years ago when people were saying Kirk Cousins was a top 10, all right. But you fall in that Matthew Stafford territory. You're not bad, but you definitely not great. And you damn sure aren't paid or top paid level quality good. And when you dump that much money into a player who's not that good, you get outcomes like what you see from Kirk Cousins all the time. He's not the reason why they lose. He damn sure ain't the reason reason why you win. But you got your money tied up. It doesn't make any sense. I sent out a tweet this weekend. I said that Kirk Cousins was like 4 of 13 for some, like, some low yardage. He was in the first half, maybe in the third quarter at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, bro, you've got – Thielen, Diggs, and Dalvin Cook has been a monster so far this year. How is that possible? I don't even know. And it's not just Minnesota. It's not just Detroit. But if we're going to go with Minnesota and Detroit, let's go to another team in the NFC North. And I've got to feel, if you are the Bears, if you are a Chicago Bears fan, you've got to feel worse than both of those two teams. The Chicago Bears are a legit championship team. They are a championship team. Defense, you know, I'm not going to say special teams because everybody goes back to the kicker, but look, in the playoff game, but man, look. Everybody misses kicks, okay? It's just what it is. They shouldn't have even been in that position. The Chicago Bears are loaded on every, in every aspect. They've got a great creative play caller. They can run the ball. They've got weapons on the outside. They've got very good uh, slot receivers. And the defense is among the best, among the best, if not the best. But what's the one thing holding them back? Mitchell Trubisky. But unlike the Detroit Lions and unlike the Minnesota Vikings, who emptied their, their pockets to re-sign quarterbacks, Were proven. There wasn't an obvious significant option that they chose not to take. I have seen enough Kirk Cousins games to know that you know what? I'd rather have Case Keenum at a lower salary than Kirk Cousins at the highest paid salary, right? But I don't think that Case Keenum has the talent that Kirk Cousins does. Kirk Cousins, I just don't know what's up with Kirk sometimes, bro. But Case Case Keenum. He's not that much better. He's just more valuable at the salary. There's a difference. It happens in the NBA all the time. People act like Otto Porter's not good because he has a bad contract. No, 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 no. Otto Porter's contract may not be the best, but Otto is damn good. Same thing happens with Nick Batum. People just pay attention to what you what you make as opposed to your talents. Good players can also be signed to bad contracts. I don't think Kirk Cousins is trash. Okay. He just has a trash contract. But I'm getting off my point because my point is the Chicago Bears. It's not like they just signed and gave money to Kirk Cousins because they thought he was better than Chase Daniel or whatever was who was ever quarterback in Chicago. The Chicago Bears decided it was worthwhile to draft Mitchell Trubisky with the second pick overall. And we're going to talk about this for his entire career. And I don't feel bad for him, but I do feel like, yo. I know I, I know this has to hurt him. Because he's not going to ever hear the end of it. No matter, even if the Bears win a Super Bowl, bro, he'll never live down the fact that the Chicago Bears drafted him over over Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes looks like he's going to be a perennial MVP candidate. And had it not be what was the guy's name? D Ford, he'd already have a Super Bowl in this second season. That's nuts. Now it's also again Kansas City. They they they're in the cheat code, right? Because they have one of the best players in the league at a significantly value contract. He's Patrick Mahomes is significantly underpaid, and he will be for another year at least, right? But I, I let's be honest. I didn't know how good Patrick Mahomes was. If you were to tell me that Patrick Mahomes was going to be this good uh, on draft day, I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> Who? You understand what I'm saying? I had no idea. So I'm not going to sit up here and fake on y'all acting like, yo, I knew Patrick Mahomes was going to be this beast. I had no idea who Patrick Mahomes was. I had no idea. But I tell you who I did know who. I tell you who I did know about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson isn't Patrick Mahomes good, but he's damn sure better than Mitchell Shibisky. And the Bears traded up to get him. You gave up an asset. that I gave up a pick to move up to get Tr- Trubisky when you could have just chilled out and you would have had either one of those two guys. If you are a Chicago Bears fan and you see, you see what these two young quarterbacks are producing week in and week out. And then you look at your guy who has, who has the benefit neither, 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 Mahomes or Watson has a defense half as good, half as good as the Bears. Andy Reid is an intelligent offensive mind, but Bill O'Brien? Hell no. Nah. Can you imagine Deshaun Watson with Nagy as his as his uh, head coach scheming up plays and all that talent around him? That, look, Deshaun Watson has offensive weapons show. I'm not. I'm not ODing right now, right? DeAndre Hopkins, for my money, is the best wideout in the game. So Deshaun Watson has talent offensively all around him, with the exception of that porous offensive line. But I don't trust his head coach, and that defense blows leads like you, like little children blow those little, what are those little flowers that just kind of dandelions or whatever the hell? Can you imagine what Deshaun Watson would do playing with the Chicago Bears? I can't even. I won't allow myself to think what Patrick Mahomes would do in Chicago. But this is what we do. We get so caught up on chasing the quarterback. We got to get the quarterback. We got to get the quarterback. And you reach. You reach on a guy who had no business. North Carolina? I think he started one year. Like, come on, bro. The Vikings reached on Kirk Cousins. The Lions reached on Matthew Stafford. Tell the Rams are reaching on Jared Goff. We see it. The Raiders reach on Derek Carr. You see it. And what happens? What happens? You get stuck. You can't afford to build up the roster because you're paying money on a guy who's not awful, but it ain't really that good. So you're stuck in purgatory. Hello, 7 to 9, 8 and 8. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, maybe you get to 10-6 and 6 one year and get bounced in the wild card round. But that's it. That's the ceiling. Meanwhile, meanwhile, at the top, Tom Brady keeps on taking significantly well below market value. You know, I hate when people always say, oh, man, the NFL is a copycat league. The NBA is a copycat league. It's a dummy league, bro. Like, they copy stuff where they had no business even trying to, and they look at, and then they ignore the teams who win well and win significantly and consistently. They ignore them. The Patriots, if you look at the Patriots, you'd realize you probably shouldn't spend that much money on a quarterback. You should try to to figure out. Now look, Tom Brady's lightning in the bottle. You're not going to find another quarterback drafted in the sixth round, right, who then ultimately marries a supermodel. It's not going to happen again. But what you should know is you can't just dump money on guys who are not... Like, if you want to spend that money on Aaron Rodgers, cool. We can make a legit argument that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the game. Patrick Mahomes, bomb. You got to pay up. You know? You you got to. You know, you got the next best one. He's the next up. But half these Bama's... Oh, no, 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 no. If you want to ride... Peace. I wish you luck, but you can't spend money on a good guy. No, and especially in the quarterback position. If you are going to put that money up, you better make sure you have an elite guy. In Dallas, I was wrong about that, Prescott. He's far better than I thought he was. But do I think he's $30 million good? No, I still don't. So good luck. I mean, I hope it works out for the Cowboys thus far through two, two weeks. It has. But I ain't giving $30 million a year to nobody named Dakota. I don't even want to go to any of the Dakotas. How you get a how you how you get a name Dakota? You feel me? I don't even want to know what his childhood was like. <laughs> you feel me? I ain't rocking with nobody named Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, none of that shit. <laughs> I, I'm not doing it. Give me a Brooklyn. Give me a Harlem. You understand know what I'm saying? Matter of fact. I'm not rocking with you if you name that the state. Unless you're an 80-year-old woman named Georgia or Virginia or Carolina. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? If you name that the state, keep your ass away from me. And I damn sure ain't breaking the bank for you to be my quarterback, Dakota. (laughs) Regardless, we are seeing it play out right now. Look at the teams who have the best chances at winning a Super Bowl. Right now, if you were to say who what which teams do you think can honestly win the Super Bowl? Tom Brady again, Patrick Mahomes, Baltimore, look how they're doing it. And the NFC is probably a little bit more wide open. We don't know about Drew Brees, like what how if the Saints can kind of stay afloat, but that division does not look any type of significant or any type of dominant? So, New Orleans should be able to stay afloat because everybody else in the division, you know, they're not really going. They're not going to run away with anything. The Rams. We'll see how long that lasts. Golf just got paid. We'll see how good Los Angeles is next year. I'll hold out hope. Philadelphia, Dallas, and maybe Green Bay. You still got to believe in Green Bay because they have Aaron Rodgers. But that's it. And the majority of those teams, they have quarterbacks either on their rookie contract or just finishing their rookie contract so they haven't broke the bank just yet and then you got tom brady but all those big time quarterbacks even quarterbacks that i like like russell wilson they're not going to win the super bowl and you can point to when seattle became super bowl contenders and when they were just a good team and it got it coincides with spending that type of money on a quarterback who is still really really good but even russell wilson Being really, really good, he's still not elite. Can't pay top price for mid or even really, really good. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to pay you Ruth's Chris and then get out back. And I'm not talking about Russ now. I'm talking about Kurt. And I'm talking about Matthew Stafford. Don't give me a red lobster steak. When I'm, giving, when I'm paying for top-notch, top-shelf filet mignon. Nah, bro, I don't want it. And if I do make that decision, laugh my ass out the room. And that's what we all should be doing because if this is a copycat lead, tell me why no one is doing what the Patriots consistently do. Because not only do the Patriots win all the time, but they have already... Like, they've already... Jip the game they got the cheat code and they rigging the game and they hustling and Babbas keep on falling for it thinking that Matthew Stafford or Eli Manning or you know you name the guy it's going Joe Flacco Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy to get you to the promised land hell no hell no and we saw it again I hope For Mitch Trubisky's sake, he could actually get his life together. I hope he goes somewhere, washes his face really well, takes a good shower, clean his, get that dirty skin off, bro, and start anew. Start fresh, man. Burn some incense, incense, you understand what I'm saying? And get your life together, bro. Because right now, right now, you are making your entire organization, your entire franchise, hell, you're making the entire city of Chicago look nuts. I got a homeboy, man. Shout out to my guy, Brad Bodie. I, I tweeted out. I was like, yo, can you imagine what the Bears would look like with Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes? And he was like, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? And I feel him. That's how dynasties happen, man. The Patriots, they did so much right. Give them all the credit in the world. But you also want to know how they benefit? Because the Dolphins, Bills, and Jets do stupid shit all the time all the time everybody in the nba wants to shoot threes now the warriors like bet (laughs) y'all shoot threes as much as we shoot threes if you want to but the thing is we've got steph we've got clay y'all got the white howard y'all got emmanuel mudier good luck Copycat leave my ass, Joe. Ah! Alright, guys, you have heard the horn. That means it is halftime. Hopefully, you are enjoying the first half thus far on the quarterly report. Few house cleaning items. I wanted to make sure you guys tweet at me. I'm at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. Man, so much to discuss. You want to talk to me about movies, entertainment, music, video games, uh, boxing, NBA. NFL, you name it, man. I'm here. I want to interact with each and every one of you all, man. Y'all, I can't tell you how much I'm happy that you guys listen to this show, man. So hit me up. Let me know what you guys want to discuss. Hell, even if you disagree with something that I said, man, you a Bears fan, you take exception, you still rocking with Mitch, man, hit me up. Let me know. Again, I'm on Twitter at Quarterly Show. And make sure you email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Again, it's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E. Report at gmail.com. All right, guys. So, you know, last week, again, I, I didn't have a pod for you guys. I apologize for that. Had to take care of some important things. But the Bad Boys 3 trailer was released. And if you know me, you know Bad Boys, the original Bad Boys. is my favorite movie of all time. I love the first Bad Boys. That joint is a classic. You had Martin at the peak of... Martin, you had Will Smith when the Fresh Prince was still coming and doing huge things. And it was like a blockbuster, but it was still on, on a. it was like a hood blockbuster. But it was shot so well, it was, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer. So it was like a lot of slow-mo shots and scenic views of Miami and explosions and car crashes and all this stuff. But it was done on the right scale. You see Bad Boys 2 and... It just became absurd. I hate Bad Boys 2 so much because I love Bad Boys 1 even more, right? It's almost like you just messed with something so perfect, so beautiful that I have to hate you for it. Like, we are life. We're sworn enemies from now on. And I hate Bad Boys 2. But off the strength of Bad Boys 1, I was still down. with like, all right, man. Actually, matter of fact, I didn't even want them to make a Bad Boys 3. Because I knew that they was going to come up with some bullshit like what they put out on the trailer a few weeks ago. And I'm watching the trailer and I'm thinking to myself, man, can we stop? I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can deal with my childhood being chipped away with people being lazy. Right? Just making sequels or rebooting classics. Leave it alone. Let the classics breathe. But you can imagine my surprise when I found out they were thinking about rebooting New York Undercover. For those of you who don't know, New York Undercover was a super dope uh, police drama back in the 90s that had an urban slant. man. It came on on Fox, and man, for what, three years? New York Undercover was my shit. But then they kind of fell off. They killed my man Torres, and things just got weird. But no one could have imagined how weird New York Undercover's reboot would have been once you saw what my man Williams, Detective Williams, did on a freestyle about some real-life occurrences. I'm not going to give you the backstory, but I will tell you that if they were to continue the reboot of New York Undercover with Williams doing this, oh, man, they better cancel Christmas. Take a listen.
1: (laughs) How quickly people love to spread news with no proof for child abuse, you confuse, I see you, you choose to try to make me lose but I can't, if you try to stand in my shoes you would lose, you can't win when you live in sin, when you got to begin where it begins again, in the beginning I told you there was the word and the word said we will love and we will love each other. No matter what, you my sister, my brother, whether you be a trans man or a trans woman, I do not know. If you do not understand, yes, this is a freestyle. I'm feeling kind of wild off the top of my dome in somebody else's home. Leave me alone with your words and your comments and the shit you don't throw upon on the dome as I think about it daily. Made me. Move deeper and deeper into my warrior spirit. Here I come. You're gonna see it and you're gonna hear it. You're gonna fear if you don't understand it. Lean into it so you understand it. See, because all of this is just the way God planned it. You the one that's confused. You the one that's gonna. (laughs) How you like that? Those little freestyle. Man, sit your ass down.
0: (laughs) Hey, yo. Malik Yoba better sit his motherfucking ass down. I told y'all I wasn't going to hear y'all backstory, but you may be confused. I know I, with knowing the full details, am a bit confused. So I'm going to give you like the real quick synopsis, man. Malik Yoba, I guess like last week or so, randomly, you feel me, came out on, I think it was on like a YouTube channel or something, I don't know where it was, but he used one of his platforms to talk about how, you know, he was somebody who is attracted to trans women. Bong. Y'all know perfectly here, man. We adults. If You like, tra- like your whole personal lifestyle, dog. Live your life. If you're not hurting anybody, I, c- I couldn't care less. You know what I mean? I don't care about anybody's personal life outside of, like, my loved ones. So, Lee Yobo was like, Bong, yo. He likes trans women? Okay, cool, you know? There's a lot of violence towards the trans community. So if he was trying to advocate, you know, for protection or just living his full self, that's that's kind of the thing. Right. Living your full life. That's what he did. Bong. that's his life. I didn't feel any way about it. You know, I still rock with New York undercover. You know what I'm saying? Like, cool. Do you. However, like the next day or two days later, it comes out that he. Was, uh, I suppose, raping, you know, or having sex, which is rape with underage trans women, right? Underage, so that's rape. And then the bomber was like, all right, so the whole thing looks super awkward, right? Because you had never heard him say anything about his personal life, let alone him being attracted to transsexuals. And then, you know, when the news breaks, You feel like he probably somebody gave him the jump like, yo, you know, this stuff is about to happen. Do something. And he made his initial comment. But then Bama started putting two and two together like, oh, man, you you like raping you nasty out here. Not nasty because of his lifestyle, but nasty because he's raping underage children. Okay, Um, so the Bama, instead of having a press conference or a press release, anything he wants to respond to the allegations of rape with a freestyle slim what huh joe it's real simple it's real simple if if the allegations are not valid handle that joint legally you understand it ain't like malik yoba is like a superstar in 2019 you know so your name, most of y'all listen to this show, many of you all probably have no idea who Malik Yoba is. <laughs> you understand? So there's like there's a certain niche. I only know him because he was Williams from New York Undercover. That was my joint. You know what I'm saying? I had no idea. And, and look, if he fought the allegations, bomb. This just gets wiped away. But now you look super crazy. You freestyling. You ain't even saying that you were innocent. You just rapping, hey bro, you suck. <laughs> yo, don't don't in a freestyle talking about, you know, yo, that's a freestyle. How you like that? Nah, nobody like that shit. Shut up. Take, you know what I'm saying? Handle that shit legally. Nobody want to see your ass freestyle. The, f- yo, <laughs> based off of last week, I told y'all, yam. You know, I uh, I just recently got hooked on Snowfall, okay? And to make this super quick, right? Anything I watch now is through the prism of, okay, how could this affect my daughter? How can I protect my daughter from this? So watching any type of drug show, especially historic, like a historical picture of the one, right? I'm thinking to myself, man, how would I prevent my child from ever falling in these pitfalls? Because it's sad when you think about it, right? All of the lives lost by drugs in in many of the cases people didn't know at the time, just how tragic and how devastating oftentimes deadly. These vices were people thought that they were just something to have fun, like alcohol, right? Nobody knew in the early eighties, what the hell crack was going to do. Right. As someone who lived through the eighties and saw it, my perception of crack is completely different than someone who grew up in the sixties and seventies. Right. And all cocaine is viewed as like this glamour drug just to have fun. You understand what I'm saying? I, I thank God. Tell my daughter about drug prevention all the time. Right? So fingers crossed that, that, that issue never has to come. That's not something you tell your child. If you're a parent, you understand that's not like a one and done conversation. That's like all the time. And my daughter doesn't even think, you know what I'm saying? But that's something you just got to beat home. So she understands bomb. This is, this is not acceptable. But the thing that scares me is like, yo, what is going to be the drug du jour in 2029? You know what I'm saying? 2025. Because in the in the 70s, nobody could have known what the hell crack was going to do. You know what I'm saying? In the 50s, nobody knew what heroin was going to do. You know what I'm saying? There's no way in the 90s people would have known that opioids was going to be what it is now. Right? There's no way you could tell in the future what it's going to happen. But when I look at Antonio Brown a few weeks ago and I look at my man, well, not Malik yoga let me say. Now, these bombers are fiending for attention. And like, like think about maybe the next drug wave isn't like a chemical, isn't a plant, but that joint is just like an addiction to technology an addiction to likes and retweets. You can make the case that that's what we're going through right now. dog. How you get accused of raping somebody and you freestyle as your response? Dog, does nobody in your life care for you? That joke was crazy. So while I worry, to put a bow on this crazy-ass topic, while I worry about Bad Boys 3 and Bad Boys 2 had already ruined the great legacy of my favorite movie of all time, I don't have to worry about New York Undercover's legacy taking another hit. Because J.C. Williams, whatever the hell, Malik Yoba, oh, dog, it is a wrap. Talk about how you like that. Nobody like that joint. Man, sit your ass down. <laughs> All right, y'all. That was halftime, man. I had a joke. I saw that, and I didn't see anybody else talk. I guess, because, like, the situation behind it is kind of touchy. Slim, I saw a freestyle. I was like, nah, that shit is hilarious. That joint is ridiculous. Y'all got to listen to it, too. So I hope y'all enjoyed it. But, man, whatever. I'm going to leave it at that. All right, halftime is past us now. We are ready for the second half. Half Halftime adjustments have been made. Man, we're ready to finish the show up strong, and we're going to start the second half with one of my favorite guests, a close personal friend, my big bro, Chris Miller from NBC Sports Watch. All right, y'all, joining me this week, man, this is family, a man I've known for over a decade now, one of the OGs of DC Sports, man, one of the really people – who really knows what he's talking about, particularly when it comes to hoops. My bro, Chris Miller. Chris, thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report.
2: Always, family. And you know, I'm always a must listen on the Quarterly Report. I get some knowledge even from you, brother. So I appreciate <laughs> you having me on.
0: Oh man, anytime, anytime. Y'all know C. Mill, but just in case you're not in the area, C. Mill is the one of the leading voices in terms of the Wizards on NBC Sports Washington. Is the host and pregame host of all the Wizards content there and the host of the Wizards Talk Podcast. So make sure you guys download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you listen to Pod. So, C-Mail, you talk Wizards all the time. So we're going to change things up. You know, We're going to talk about some stuff outside of the Wizards uh, on this interview. And we're going to start with Hoops. I know everybody's a little hurt because America came in seventh place in the the FIBA World Cup tournament. Now, I've talked about this in the past. I vividly remember 2004 in the Olympics. I still don't like Larry Brown because of the
2: 2004.
0: (laughs) Uh, Quick aside, I talked about this story on the show before. I'm dating a Boricua at the time. And her and her brothers were going nuts when Puerto Rico beat us in that very first game in the tournament. That relationship did not last very long after that. <laughs> but so real quickly, what are your overall thoughts initially on Team USA's uh, performance in the FIBA World Cup?
2: I think it's just a bigger indictment on the global brand of basketball right. um, that everyone has arrived. Everyone yeah. is now, you know, Armand, you know, when you was a freshman and you wanted to get into the into the big-time upperclassmen party and it was right. like, nah, you too young, shorty come back in a couple more years, I feel like that's kind of what what FIBA has become. FIBA has now become a place where everybody's an upperclassman, everybody's invited to the party, and everybody has a chance to win. And I think when we don't put our best and brightest out there, uh, we're going to get exposed like this. And a seventh place finish is not exactly what I thought that they would finish, but when you think about it, when you see these other teams like Australia, when you look at Spain, when you look at all these teams that have Legitimate NBA players on it, you have to think to yourself, we can't just walk into a party and don't have the Kool Aid. We're going to have to come in there with a little bit something stronger than Kool Aid. And I think we just got exposed.
0: For sure, man. And like you hit the nail on the head in terms of of what I'm thinking, because basically, I'll always believe if we bring our creme de la, if we bring, if America always brings our top shelf talent, it's a right. Meaning, like, we have Dame. Brad, Clay, Paul George, and like Kat off the bench. Like those are the reserves. Cancel right. Christmas. We don't have to practice. We don't have to have any can- – like roll the ball and we run in everybody, right? But we can't just bring in our C-level players. And in many cases, D guys. You know, there's a, there's a Plumley on Team USA. Yeah. No, no, no disrespect. We got to – we can't do that anymore. Like, like you said, the world has caught up.
2: And not only have they caught up, um they're really good. And the really fact good. that, Armand, they play a All lot with each other. These are years of Built cohesion in. and chemistry sure. and being able to, like, you know, you know eye contact. You know what I'm saying? You ain't even got to call a set out. You chemistry. just look at a dude and know, for like, sure. oh, okay, he's about to set the screen for me. I'm going to come off this, Did he going to pop or he's going to die. We don't have to call a play. We just know off of eye contact. And the two things that really bothered me about this team was – Obviously, listen, a lot of these guys understand the value of the NBA season that's coming up this year. Because, Armand, I still – I love the Clippers. Right. But I understand that everybody thinks they've got a – there are a handful of teams that they've got a shot to actually win it. There's a large group of people that feel like, yo, if we get a good seeding, we got a chance. So a lot of these players are looking at it now going – you know, I might have to play a hundred games this year. Right. Oh, and by the way, if I'm one of these top line guys, I'm going to be playing in the Olympics next year. Exactly. So those are a lot of games to be played and there's a lot on the line this season. That's one thing that kind of bothered me. The other thing that bothered me is we just really did have no three point shooting. When you think about like Joe Harris was Joe like Harris. their best three point shooter. Right. They just didn't have a lot of shooters that could just come in there and match up with a lot of these international teams. And They got exposed for it. When you can't shoot the basketball behind the arc in international play and you rebound it, and okay, you're going to have problems.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you make an interesting point. I never really thought about it in terms of so many guys. It feels as if it's wide open this year. In in some cases, not necessarily in terms of championships, but, like, Portland went to the conference finals last year. And that's a successful season. So there's so many teams who are like, yo, we could just get there. And it's weird because... If you're a foreign player, it's only in America where we criticize your legacy if you don't win a championship. Steve Nash won two MVPs, never made it to the finals, and no one talks about it. Derrick Rose is the only other MVP to never make it to a finals, and he's killed. You know what I'm saying? It's like what we do in America is like international play really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's it's like
2: like NBA championship or bust. You're like, eh, it's like, yeah, yeah, he was okay, but. Right,
0: you know, Melo is an all-time Olympic scorer, and people are like, "Yeah, but he's only been to one conference." Like it doesn't, like you said, it's championship or bust, and that's a dynamic I don't think a lot of people talk about.
2: Yeah, it it gets to a point too when you have these, you know, these, you know, water cooler discussions with people. Like when they when they go to the championship argument of it, I I just kind of like walk away. And the one thing that I do say when I leave Armand is you know there's there's only one team a year that does that i mean That's like it's, 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 right. it's yes it's it's the it's the um, it's the epicenter of everything you know oh i won a championship we're the last team standing right. but you can actually have a season in which you don't win a championship and still feel oh, like you oh, had yeah. a successful year i mean it's just everything is just defined off of the success of being the last team standing
0: Once again, guys, I'm joined by family, man. This is my guy, Chris Miller from NBC Sports Washington. Make sure you guys check out and download, subscribe to the Wizards Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, wherever else you listen to pods. And also leave a review, man. Those things are really, really important. So another thing about my guy, Chris, that you may or may not know, obviously, he's a hoop head. And also check out the Soul Talk series. I still love yeah, it. Yeah, Any time you yeah, do the Soul Talk stuff, you know. What I got saying? some heat on my feet right now, <laughs> brother. <laughs> <laughs> but my man, C-Mill, rides so hard for the Carolina Panthers, and you John, like one of the only people I know who, for real, like not just when Cam got there with McCaffrey and when the, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I'm for a great one. Ninety-four it, day one for sure, for sure. What's up with your man Cam? I don't even know how else I can say it. What's up with your man Cam? We let's start on the field first. Okay, Thursday okay, okay. night, it looked like, <laughs> yo, it may be, and it's sad because there's never been a player like Cam Newton, I don't believe, before, but I feel like so many years of his prime were wasted, and now the physical toll has just kind of caught up to him. That's at least my yeah. perspective. You watched you the game before.
2: I, I just, it was really hard Thursday night to watch. I'm going to be real honest with you. When he turned the ball over to end the third quarter, right. I turned the TV off. I told my wife I had my Cam Newton jersey on. Right. I was I was like, baby, we, ready. we got a chance. We got a shot. You know, we're not the offense It's sputtering a little bit, but we still got Cam. And when he turned it over to end the third quarter, I literally looked at my wife and I was like, I'm done. Took my jersey off, turned the TV <laughs> off, went to sleep. I didn't know what happened um, with the McCaffrey play at the end until I woke up the next morning and saw the highlight. I mean – Cam has meant so much to this organization. Uh, I'm a big fan of the man and the athlete because of what he does in the community. Armand, you know that's important to me. These guys, when you give back your time and your dollars to a community, I roll with you. Right. I don't care if you throw a kick or not. Right. So there's, 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 I, I'm fighting two things with Cam. Like, right. The community activism he's done is remarkable. The player now, he actually has some talent around him. I think the receivers are the best we've had in a long time. McCaffrey, I think, is going to be special. The offensive line is eh, but the defense is supposed to be our calling card. But Cam is still the most polarizing player on the team. And I just feel like in his eighth year, it's just it's hard to watch. It looks like, to me, Armand, this year, he's like that boxer that just keeps going out there knowing that he doesn't have that knockout punch anymore, but yeah. he's just out there. It's the tenth round. He's surviving because he's just big and he's got strong legs and he's got. He doesn't have a glass jaw, but no he's will. just not the right. same guy. My 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 concern is the shoulder is still not where it needs to be because a lot of his throws he doesn't release it at its top point. A lot of it I feel like is he's just kind of flicking it, okay. and you can't okay. get a lot of power off to that. And to be zero to two, I just feel like. Brother, we still ain't played the Saints twice. <laughs> <We> still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got some L's coming. I just feel like maybe the season might already be over with, and, and if that's the case, uh, I think the organization needs to start looking at Cam and just to, to figure out: is he still that guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I mean, you know, again, he's took it, he's taking a, a beating, not just yes. even yes, like people forget the car accident, like not just like the physical hits on the football field, but like a legit beating and. That stuff it, it it comes up it it weighs on you sooner or later. And unlike guys like Ben Roethlisberger, for much of his career, Cam has been the short down running attack, right? When it, right. when you need a 4th and 1 or 4th and goal, you give it to Cam and he always gets it more times than not. That stuff adds up.
2: And the expectation last uh Thursday night was on that play with McCaffrey that Cam would just run it for a yard. It was like right. you, that was just the expectation over the last 8 years. You're like, "Oh, Cam's going to just Cam take the ball it. And he's going to go get the first down. We'll keep the drive going. Uh, But I almost feel like they might have protected him from himself by making it the McCaffrey play. And Carolina Panther fans don't want to see that. Yes, McCaffrey is going to be really, really good. A lot of people have him on their fantasy team. But if it's fourth and one, I'd rather have the 6'5", 240 guy run it up the middle. 100%.
0: Once again, guys, I'm joined by my bro, Chris Miller. We're talking about the Carolina Panthers, and we're talking about Cam Newton on the field. But we're going to make the real quick transition right now because <laughs> <laughs> you if you guys haven't checked it out now, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, it'll be a few days old. But check out my man Chris Miller's Instagram. Well, it's a story. But either way, there's this meme that you put up on, on the gram. With your man Cam with the your Aunt Myrtle's scarf on her head, <laughs> and you have him in between – the men on the film characters from a, a classic and liver color, color skits. I don't know what's up with, like, I'm cool with the, you know, be yourself, bong. I, I like players who express themselves through whatever the case may be, right? Fashion, arts, whatever. Um, you had a dope segment with a, 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 a local guy around the area who does shoes. Not an athlete, but, you know, expresses himself through shoes. Like, yeah. I'm cool with all of that. But Cam is taking it to a whole
2: other level, bro. I don't know. What's up with your man, Cam? I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. You know, Armand, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. You know, I, I'm transitioning into the real OG part of my life. Yeah. But I still am in that window where, you know, listen,
1: I, I love
2: Russell Westbrook's gear. When he walks in with the heavy metal shirt on and the sure. cut-off jeans and the stuff. You know, when Westbrook walks into the building, I'm kind of looking at his fashion going, you know, that's him. Right. Okay. You rock out, dog. Do your thing. But this stuff can't the Bob wire yeah. hat he had on the first week. Bamas was text. <laughs> See, here's the problem. Arma. Like, here's the problem. I everybody knows I rock with Cam. Right. I rock with him. I rock with my Panthers, ride or die. So Bamas will take shots at me they come at when you. Cam comes out with, <laughs> with this flamboyant gear. Yeah. So I gotta take the L's. Oh, but for somebody ones- else. <laughs> yeah. So but the the stuff he did Thursday night with, with the Aunt Myrtle hat. Come on, yeah. bro, I can't do it. I, I, I took a lot of ills on that. It, was, it wasn't fair. You know how you take L's for your boys. You're like, man, I'm just gonna take this one for you. Right. I feel like Cam should call me and he apologize. I'm taking. Yeah. yeah, I took yeah. a lot of ills for that one.
0: I'm looking
2: but, at Cam and I'm like, bro, what's happening right now? Something's going on. Yeah. <laughs> hey,
0: so, man. Like, when when Russ do it, it, it feels like that's legit Russ, right? It's like. Russell will just walk down Crenshaw if you want to. And he's right. like, he And bros care. would be
2: like that's just Russ. Like they right. leave him alone. They'd be like, Oh, that's just Russ. And, and I feel like doing some stuff right now that you're just yeah. like, Bro, I think you went to fashion week and like you think fashion week is like every day now. Yeah. Like you're really out here throwing some stuff out here on, on the wax. Yeah. And it's it, <laughs> like he if he's winning. Rough. Look, hey, Armand, <laughs> if he's winning, I ain't going to say nothing. But, bro, we he going hey, man. Cut it up. Right. A a me a suit. Give me a suit, <laughs> bro. Rock a scully. Do something. Right. <laughs> Once again, guys,
0: I'm joined by family, my guy, Chris Miller. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at C Mills NBCS. My guy, Chris Miller, the host of the Wizards Talk podcast. Make sure you download, subscribe, and Write a review on Apple Podcasts wherever else you listen to pods, and I want to get out of here with this because a few weeks ago, so a lot of people, a lot of people killed me. They were like, "Yo, you O.D. on power, you (laughs) Hayden." So I got, I got, so I got. That was the most mail and tweets that I received on any topic that I've ever done in the two plus years doing this pod, and people were like, "Yo, you you got the show all wrong." Now you see. You my guy. So you hit me. You called me. He was like, yo, Armand, I appreciate what you're doing on Power, bomb, bomb, bomb. But he was like, yo, you're missing some things here, right? One of my things about Power was like how I felt it wasn't realistic because three feds had died. And I was under the impression that it was Ghost of Tommy had something to do with it. And you called me up. He was like, nah, nah, nah. One of the feds who died was killed by another one, right? So there are things about my synopsis of Power that I missed because I haven't watched throughout the season. So... Me being the fair man that I am, I want to turn it over to you, Chris. And uh, I guess give me your thoughts. What was it about power that initially got you hooked? Well,
2: you know, to me, I, I always want to give a black show sure. um, a, a first look. Right. You know, I just want to support black film. I heard it was 50 was was producing it. Courtney Kemp was producing. And I was just like, you know, I want to give this a chance. So the first episode, man, you know, as soon as they played the song, it was 50 and Joe. I love the theme song. I'm like, oh, this is this is a tough song. Yo, first. Um, so like the first scene was just a night scenic of New York. Right. Uptown beat. It was real hype. I'm like, yo, that's my city. I love New York. Right. And then the first real scene of like words being spoken was, you know, an SUV pulled up. Um, Ghost and Tasha came out looking black excellence. Is everything right. looking good? This is Ghost's club. The club was bummed. I'm like, oh, okay. This is, with this it, right? is tough, right? And we got about mm, less than 10 minutes into it and Ghost popped somebody off in the basement <laughs> of his club. I'm like, right. yo, whoa. Right. Wait right. a minute. I thought he was a club owner. And then it turns out like he's a club owner and he's a drug dealer. And his homeboy's a white guy named Tommy. He's yeah. a little corny, but he's funny, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's I was like, let me give this a shot. And then, you know, the whole part of you know, his high school sweetheart, Angela is, you know, in the Fed. Yeah. Ghost doesn't know it. Angela doesn't know that he's a drug dealer. So like they're they're living these two different lives, but they're reconnecting. Ghost is slipping, you know, on the family tip, you know, he's right. messing with Angela. So there were just a lot of things that I was like, oh, this is kind of cool, you know. Um and then after one season, I'm like, okay, I, yeah, I like this. Season right. two, season six now, and it's just, it's just different, right? Yeah. It's, um, you are, I consider, the Wire connoisseur of right. all connoisseurs, right? <laughs> so I remember you and I are having this conversation, and while the Wire is more realistic. Like, it's like how B-More probably is and, yeah, you, know, yeah. the, you know, stuff being corrupt and all this other stuff. Um, I feel like power is kind of escape from reality. But there's certain things like, like the things Tommy does in power, he couldn't get away with it in a while. Like he would have got, Absolutely. like you and I were talking, he'd have got bumped off like the, the first, first season.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Yo. Like the first, maybe the first episode, he might have got bumped off. Right. 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 So it's different. But it's it's really good. Like I enjoy power. I, I think uh with this being the last season, it has really evolved. Right. Uh like you were saying, like you like you were talking about before we were uh talking a couple weeks ago, it had a few too many sex scenes in it. And I was <laughs> like, I feel like you're kinda dummying down like you know, like Your the writing scene. by just yeah. having like soft porn on. But right like now it's it, it's a storyline and now ghost and Tommy are going at each other. It's called the final betrayal. So it's led up to Somebody dying, right. like a major character is going to die, and I do want to update you on on like the okay. feds. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught up, but now it's four feds have been bumped off, and oh, the brother uh, died, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agent Donovan died, but he got he got killed by a, a guy that's just the, the dirt Wild. of the earth. All yeah. right, he wilded. So yeah. it's now they're batting five hundred now. So two fe- <laughs> two feds. Two feds are dead because of feds, and then two other ones are dead because, you know, gangsters don't bump them all.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and you hit it. you've told me this several times in private and then on the show. I want to talk about it now because you just mentioned it. I do feel like sometimes it's, it's how you, you start something, right? So m- most people I, I, that I do know who like power, they kind of organically, they were interested. Yo, Fifth got a show. Let me check it out. So on stars, Let me just see what it is. Big Rich Town. I know there was a lot of fuss over they Them changing
2: it, they changed it back. Yeah, they, they screwed up that. Yeah. I, uh, come on, man. Listen, I like Trey. <laughs> look, somebody went on Instagram was like, Trey Songs, you too happy singing this song, man. I like, know Angel but... is dead. And, <laughs> come on, man. And Tariq is still walking around with, yeah. with, with, with no marks on him. Come on, you look too happy singing this song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he got too many happy jazz tunes, like notes on Right. Like, like, let
2: get back to it. So
0: I get like how you could be interested and invested in the show because it was so different. Like you said, like it's really like power and snowfall in terms of like that type of Yeah, uh, that's a good comparison. Right? However, for me, I was brought into it by someone who, you know, she was telling me, yo, this is as good as The Wire. And she was telling me this off of like the second episode. And that's my fault.
2: I oh, she OD would No, she was ODing on that. That is different. Like needless The Wire is on another level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah needless
0: to say, I, we don't
2: talk. She and I don't talk anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but no, so I,
0: I feel what you're saying. Like so much is uh, so much about your feelings and something could be connected to like how it was brought to you. And right. uh, clearly power is connected with so many people like I don't think even stars could have known how popular this show was going to end. Yeah, up it's becoming.
2: like it's like it's like Popeyes chicken sandwich. Nobody <laughs> knew, and then it just blew up, and people were like, like, "Whoa,
0: yeah. what we yeah.
2: happier!"
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah, man, Sunday night. So Stars. I'm 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 actively going back. I I finished season one, right? So there was oh, okay, episode. okay. So, you know, I'm, I'm letting you know because you were my man. You held me down. You're like, "Arma, check it out. Let me know what you think, Bong Bong." So that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm trying to work my way into the, the final six seasons. We'll see if I get there. But once again, y'all, this is my brother, Chris Miller. Y'all know him. He's the host of pre- and post-game in guard, with regards to the Wizards. we like a month away. I know I can't wait. Chris, I know you can't wait. Yeah. And uh, make sure you check out the podcast. Wizards Talk podcast on all your uh, our podcast platforms, Apple. Stitcher, it's everywhere. So check it out and make sure you guys leave a review as well. C-Mail, man, you know what time it is, baby. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the show.
2: Always, family.
0: Continued success to you and your podcast too, brother. Yo, Shout out to my guy, Chris Miller, man. Much appreciate him coming on to the show this week, yo. So, you know, y'all power enthusiasts, chill out. You know, I'm not going to bash the show anymore. Y'all got a lot of advocates. You know, I, I, I hear you guys. I truly do. All right. So we're just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to. No more bad mouthing that show. I don't think I need to. I think y'all already know what time it is. All right. Three quarters are in the book, so you know that means we have one quarter left. Let's finish the show up strong with our fourth topic this I don't play video games. This is not me judging anyone who does. I know a lot of people who do, and oftentimes, I can't lie, when I see how people uh, kind of flock to releases or how much fun people have, like the last video, we'll get to that in a little bit later, but when I see people kind of connecting with strangers online to play these video games like that's far past, you know, my realm of video games. I I've, I've never experienced what that is like. And it seems like a dope idea. It seems like a dope experience. So you can imagine kind of how in awe I am at the, around this time each year when the latest two gay game is released. And that was like a huge thing this past week, man. This past weekend, everybody was talking about 2K. Bond, they, they got the game, they waited it, they've been anticipating the game, and everybody, or at least a lot of people around my circles, right, dove in, and whether it was positive critiques or maybe have a little bit of criticism, whatever the case may be. Anytime something that large sweeps, you know, through a significant number of people, especially people in your circle, you take notice. So I'm looking around, someone who does, who's not played a video game and God knows how long, like for real, outside of like Mario Kart with my daughter. You know, I look at it it's like, yo, that looks dope. Now I don't want to play Two K, I don't want to play Madden or any of these games, FIFA, whatever. But I acknowledge, like, yo, that joint looks like it's a lot of fun, and there's so many people, right? And you know, there's a there's a. I guess maybe a negative perception, maybe it's changed. Maybe I'm just so out of touch in terms of video games that I am i don't know what the, the correct perception is. But, you know, if, you're, if you play video games a lot, you're a slacker. Man, that's not the case. Video games are so big now. Esports, I keep on being told how it's going to dominate this next generation. I could be wrong. I mean, I don't see it happening, but I wouldn't be surprised. So many smart people keep saying that this is the next wave but the fourth quarter is not talking about this you know how it is where you may intern at a place when you were younger and you didn't get paid and now you see all these internships that pay and ultimately it's a great idea you know you you remember the the struggles you had doing an internship but then there's a part of you like man nah i didn't get paid these bamas shouldn't get paid either luckily i feel like i am an evolved individual that that type of mentality does not does not own a significant chunk of my mind, right? It's like a real, 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 real small, like a one percentile part of me is like, eh, Alabama's got it nice right now. Overall, I'm happy and interns should be paid. I kind of feel the same way, though, when it comes to video games, because I'm seeing all the soccer fans with the FIFA and all the NFL fans have their outlet with Madden. And now NBA fans of 2K, everybody loves these games. They play them all the time. They connect with strangers, build relationships, bomb. It seems really, really fun. I'm not going to start playing video games to play Madden, or NBA 2K, or soccer, whatever the case. There is only one, only one video game that's going to get my black ass up and buy a console and buy a game. Unfortunately... They stopped making them. One of the classic, the last video game that I've played outside of a Mario Kart game is the legendary Fight Night series. Y'all know what time it is. If you've never played it, I feel for you because you don't know what you're missing. You don't even have to be a boxing fan to love Fight Night. But think about it. I think they stopped making Fight Night probably like an old, old, The last one I played probably was like an old three. 04 or something. Right. And they had Ali on the cover. You had the legends Bong, Cool. That was so long ago. Like we've seen the progression of graphics and gameplay, right? Imagine what a fight nights game would look like now with all the characters in boxing, all the different individual styles and characteristics, the charisma slim. I would love to play Gennady Golovkin in a video game. I would love to be Errol Spence in a video game. But as the boxing fan, we just got to sit in the corner and take people's scraps. Hot dog. You got every other sport. Every sport has a Tony Hawk. Do they still make the Tony Hawk games? I know I sound old as hell. But think about it. They got MMA games. They've got wrestling games. they got basketball, football, hockey. The list goes on and on. they got all these other games. Why can't we get a boxing game? For real, this has, there has to be somebody out there who's like, yo, look at all the numbers that boxing does. And maybe it's legalities, right? You got to pay so many different people. There's no one centralized organization. You've got to deal with promoters, individual boxers and in their camps. Maybe it's just a mess in terms of finding and paying the right number of people and everything like that. Maybe that's it. But damn it, y'all used to do it. Right? So I really ain't, there's not that much sympathy that exists for hearing someone say, hey man, it's going to be tricky for us to do all that. Nah, buddy. I've seen it. I've played it. You feel me? I know that there are not a lot of outlets for boxing fans, true boxing fans, particularly of, and let's say, quote no, I, I don't like the word urban, right? Because urban is just cold. But there are not a lot of boxing outlets for black and brown people. Let's just keep it funky, okay? That's not to say that the outlets that we do have are not dope. Max Kellerman is a... He is among the leaders in terms of boxing. I look at him as an expert because he actually is. Max talks about boxing. I listen. Shout out to Chris Mannix. He does the same thing. Mike Coppin. I forget. I don't even know how to pronounce his last name from the um, athletic. He has a super dope boxing angle as well. So they exist. But I don't know if they really check it for like, yo. We need to get this video game. So damn it. I will wear the hat. I know a lot of boxing fans listen to this podcast. I appreciate you guys. Y'all, y'all hit me up. Y'all one of the more devoted fans that I have. So, dog, just as I made a plea a few years ago to bring back Round Ball Rock, we didn't get it the way I wanted it, but we got it back, right? We didn't get them for NBC Sports Washington or NBC Sports Chicago or whatever the case, but Fox, they picked up They picked up the end and they brought it back for us to enjoy it for college basketball. Don't ask me how, but we're going to do it again. Hashtag bring back fight night, Joe. We got to get it back. I want like, I don't want to play 2K, but I saw how much fun everybody had even before they played it. Even the people who don't like the gameplay, there was a certain level of excitement before they picked up the game. I see it every year with Madden. I see it with FIFA. I see it all the time. Slim, I don't want to play them games. I got no desire to do though, to do so. There's only one video game that I want to play. And that's a new fight night game. Come on. Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, Spence, Andrew, Adrian Broner, Gennady Golovkin, Canelo. I, the list goes on and on. Just go, just look at the, the top fighters. Imagine having to, to play any of You could. <sighs> dog. Hashtag, bring back fight night. Let's get it going. EA Sports, it's in the game, baby. Stop playing with us. Boxing fans matter, bro. Come on, Joe. Hold us down. We want to... We have feelings too. You understand what I'm saying? I will put fight night up against any sport game... This side of Madden 90, 94, those EA Sports College football games, which were super dope. And then, you know, y'all hockey heads love whatever that 94 version of hockey was NHL Live 94, something like that. Whatever. I don't know. I don't play it. I will say I will put Fight Night up against any of them. Dog, we There were some legendary nights, dorm rooms, taking money, knocking Bama's out on Fight Night, Joe. Give me Ricardo Mayorga, and I'm laying your fighter's ass down. Believe that. Undefeated. Never lost. (laughs) But for real, Joe. Boxing fans, Joe, we out here. Boxing fans, man, we whether it's pay-per-view numbers, whether it's television ratings, you have seen the results. We exist, and we exist in big numbers. And you talk about, can you imagine a game with Canelo on the cover? Dog, the southern states of America, the southern southwestern states of America, sell it out easy. Don't even get me started in Mexico. You talking about an international appeal? Oh, my goodness. EA, get your head out your ass, Joe. Get your hands out your ass and give us the game. We out here. All right, y'all. I had to get that out because next week, the next two weeks, trust is that it's going to be a lot of boxing talk we are rapidly approaching arrow spence sean porter so we are going to preview it next week and then the following week we're going to recap the amazing fight because so much about the sport is about to change with a pivotal run of weeks we got a, we got a really good lineup of fights coming up in the next two months or so starting with the 28th between spence and porter so y'all know what time it is Boxing fans, come here. You know how we live on a quarterly report podcast. Insights, funny, and hopefully entertaining com- commentary and content. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're all about on the Quarterly Report Podcast. So make sure you leave me a review on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, PodKnife, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. It's the Quarterly Report spelled Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E report. Let me, let your friends, let the world know why you like the podcast. Hit us up also on Twitter we're at Quarterly Show and email me at quarterlyreport@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for rocking with me this week. I'll be back next week better than ever on the Quarterly Report.